Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I trust everyone is enjoying the last days of their summer. We're currently surrounded by major wildfires here in the West, and I'd be lying if I didn't say they were downright terrifying. The sky is orange and the air is dense. Be safe out there, folks. And a big, big thank you to all the brave men and women fighting these raging monsters. Anyway, on to a lighter topic. I have a great show lined up for you guys this evening. An episode filled to the brim with all sorts of strange happenings. So sit back, flick off the lights, and get settled in. This one's going to be fun. Our first story of the evening comes to us via Patrick in the state of North Carolina. Hi, my name is Patrick. I live in Morganton, North Carolina. Um, I guess I should start out. I've always been an outdoors person. I grew up in the woods. I've I grew up in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas. Um, I've been in northern Georgia. I've been out west, so I know something of of the mountains a bit. Uh, I've always believed in uh, Bigfoot. I didn't know if it was a primate or some type of person I, I wasn't 100 percent sure but i never seen evidence myself although i've talked to people um that swear up and down and these are legit people uh hunters that have told me they've had um uh occurrences with with uh what they thought was a sasquatch uh uh whooping yelling at them uh rock throwing and the funny thing about all that it seems like um the at least the ones that i've i've talked to or i've heard about these people are heavily armed with high-powered rifles but it rattles them so bad that they leave that's not even in their mind they try to uh take a shot at what what's uh disturbing them um right now uh this was probably three years ago i lived in western north carolina at the time in a little town called brevard uh, we have Pisgah National Forest, which is really huge. Uh, just a ton of places to, to hike, to camp, to, to, to bike. Um, it was me and my brother-in-law and my nephew decided that we were going to uh, do an overnight. 
and the area that we went was right above the Pisgah National Forest. Actually, it's going up a mountain, and it drops down to another town. Uh, it's still part, it's not Pisgah, but it's still part of the National Forest. And the hike to get there was, at least the one that we took, was really hellacious, to say the least. We got to the top. Um, we set up our camp. Uh, we didn't know. We knew it was going to be cold because it was February. And it ended up being very, very cold that night. So cold. We had freezing rain. I brought a tent, and my brother-in-law and nephew decided they were going to rough it in their, their hammocks. But they ended up in the middle of the night waking up. We had to start a fire to keep them from getting frostbite. We all piled into my little tent. Um, it, at the time, I thought it was gunshots, but I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was very loud. It was a pow, 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 and then it would stop, and it would do it from the left side of the tent far away to the back side of the tent far away, uh, and vice versa all around the tent, but it was a good distance. But it was only three pals. Uh, and then you could literally, I, as I was awake, I realized it wasn't gunshots, but it was a, just a, 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 I can't really explain, very loud pounding or knocking. And it would do it. I, I sit there and listen to it so long that I could actually count in between the 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 knocks or the pals but it would be on the left side the back side of us and the right side now take into account we were the only ones up there um there was a small area not far down the trail where some people would camp but nobody was there that night and i know that because we had to travel down the trail to go get our water and and purify it and whatnot and take it back in the creek and there was n not a soul. And it is very difficult to get up on this mountain. So I hear the I hear it from the, the left side of me, the back side, the right side. And I literally started to count uh, after the knocks. I could count to three. One, two, three. And it would do it again. And it just continued. I, I, I woke up my nephew and I was like, do you hear that? Listen to this. And he was half asleep he oh it's probably trees and he went back to bed and it went on for so long at least an hour i went to sleep because it, it didn't stop um needless to say never found any evidence of that something was up there but so meticulous in how these you could literally count you could set a watch to the seconds between these knocks now, like I said, I found no evidence, but this was far away from the tent when this happened, and um, we we continued our, our camping trip. I asked my brother-in-law, or my nephew the next day, if he remembered me asking him and waking him up about, hey, do you hear this? He's like, I don't remember. So, to me, I think that was something that wasn't human at the time that was doing that or civilized human that uh, a person that playing a prank that would have been the greatest prank in the whole world to be able to do that at such a range 
and stay consistent that long. So anyhow, that uh, that's my only Bigfoot encounter. I still believe uh, I, I put up trail cams all the time. I'm uh, hoping to catch something. Um, I just uh, wanted to share that. I love your show. Your show is great. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the people calling in. Um, one one last little tidbit about the dog man in particular. When I lived in mi- northern Michigan, when this was probably 1990, 91, uh, I actually heard of a dog man, and I did not, I've never heard of that before. We hear werewolves and everything, but it was called the Manistee Dog Man because we had the Manistee River running close to us. And they told me accounts of this animal that looked like a dog but could stand up bipedal, bipedal, excuse me, and, and run, walk on its hind legs. And I, I didn't give it a lot of thought to the last couple of years when the dog man has become a big uh, topic of conversation. So I thought that was pretty crazy. So anyway, thank you for your time and appreciate it. Thank you, Patrick, for the call. There's no doubt that the Tar Heel State has experienced its fair share of Sasquatch encounters. In fact, according to the BFRO website, the state has recorded 93 individual encounters. So there is precedent for Patrick's experience. But before we get too excited, I want to propose a hypothesis, if I may. As Patrick mentioned, it was a cold night, complete with freezing rain. Now is it possible that enough of that frozen rain accumulated on nearby branches causing them to snap under the weight throughout the night. This could explain why the sounds seemed to come from all directions. Now I can hear all of you saying, but there were always three knocks. I thought about that, and although it does make this idea a bit of a stretch, it doesn't completely ground it. You see, if you think about a branch breaking from a tree, there's seldom only one audible crack. You typically get two or three, or even more, as that branch falls through the tree, breaking other limbs as it makes its way down. So at least, on paper, there seems to be an explanation. Of course, I'm not suggesting that Patrick wouldn't realize this on his own. After all, at the top of his call, he did mention that he's an avid outdoorsman. But if he was half asleep, stuffed in a sleeping bag, and had Bigfoot on the mind, anything is possible. Although I bet there are 93 others in the state of North Carolina that would claim otherwise. Thanks again, Patrick, for taking the time to share your experiences. And yeah, I really dig those Dogman stories. Our next call of the evening takes us south to the state of Alabama. This is Kelly's experience. Hi, uh, my name is Kelly, and I'm calling to give my story. Uh, It's pretty short, and it's pretty unusual. I've never heard of anybody else having a similar kind of story. Um, back in probably about 1999, maybe 2000, uh, in Alabama, in Birmingham, um, my best friend lived along a really uh, dark, treed, uh, very twisty winding road. Um, old, old Rocky Ridge Road, if anybody's familiar with the area. And um, there's a bridge that goes over the highway. And um, as I was driving across the bridge um, into, like, just 
you know, going to my best friend's house. It's about 9.30 p.m. Um, I was listening to Alanis Morissette, and I saw a little green fluorescent, like, I say fluorescent because it was glowing. I saw a little green butt run across the road. Yeah, so I saw a little green glowing butt. It was about um, a foot, two feet tall at the top of the butt, and it had uh, legs and feet. It was like a little, little chubby. And um, it just, it flashed across my car as I was driving. I was probably driving about 35 miles an hour. Um, and it just, it literally like ran across the road. There was no top half to this little creature or, or spirit or whatever it was. Um, it glowed green. It moved extremely quickly because it ran across in front of my car in my headlights. Um, there was no top half. It didn't look, uh, see-through or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I never really told anybody about it because it sounds ridiculous. And, you know, it doesn't really match up with a lot of other things that, um, people talk about having experience, like shadow people or whatever. Uh, I've sometimes wondered if maybe it was like some kind of little fairy or even like maybe a leprechaun. But, I mean, I've never seen it again. I revisited the area, um, recently um and you know it was it was broad daylight but i mean like i still remember this vividly and you know i was looking around just to see like well, what the heck was this um because it's just one of those things like i cannot imagine what it might have been it's just very strange very weird and i would love to hear if other people have had any kind of similar experience or if you have any idea um of what it could be as far as like debunking it you know besides like an you know an overactive 16 year old imagination or whatever but that's my little story so thank you very much i appreciate it bye-bye thank you kelly this is a call i never imagined i'd ever receive the weird part here though is that i've already received reports like this if my memory serves me correctly I fielded a call back in Season 3 of a person that only saw the bottom half of an apparition in his home. I could sit and speculate as to what this being was all evening, but instead I'm going to make the obvious connection and play a news clip inspired by Kelly's story. Those of you that watch stupid YouTube videos at the end of the last decade may recognize this little treasure, but for those that did not, trust me, WPMI NBC News 15's report on the Alabama Leprechaun is well worth the listen. And I highly insist you head over to the show notes to see the actual video. Well, just in time for St. Patrick's Day, crowds are coming by the dozens to get an up-close view at what some say is a piece of Irish folk folklore. Some people in the Crichton area of Mobile say a leprechaun has taken up residence in their neighborhood. A leprechaun. NBC 15's <laughs> Brian Johnson has more. Curiosity leads to large crowds in Mobile's Crichton community, many of you bringing binoculars, camcorders, even camera phones to take pictures. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I got to do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! Eyewitnesses say the leprechaun only comes out at night. If you shine a light in its direction, it suddenly disappears. 
This amateur sketch resembles what many of you say the leprechaun looks like. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations for the image. My theory is it's casting a shadow from the other limb. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff and it told him to get up in a tree and play a leprechaun. We're going to get down to the bottom of this. Yeah, still on there, guy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, man. This guy helping to direct traffic says he's prepared for his encounter with the leprechaun. He's suited up from head to toe. This wars off spells right here. This is a special leprechaun flute, which has been passed down from thousands of years ago from my great-great-grandfather, who was Irish. I just came to help out. Others just came to get lucky in hopes a pot of gold may be buried under this tree. I'm going to run a backhoe and uproot that tree. I want to know where the gold is. I want the gold. Give me the gold. I want the gold. This is Brian Johnson, NBC 15 News. People will do anything for a pot of gold. I mean, anything. You know what I like? I like the amateur sketch of the leprechaun. Yeah, it looks like somebody yeah. got a really good look at it and got that good drawing who, out there. Who did that? I want to know who sketched that. I don't know. Maybe Brian sketched it. <laughs> Doodling. That was a good story. Unintentionally hilarious. Thank you again, Kelly, for the call. Little green butts. Now, before we move on to our next call, I want to remind everyone that I'm still looking for stories about your school or university. Preschool all the way up. You still have about a week to submit these, so pick up that phone and dial 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or visit the Report Your Sightings tab at monstersamonguspodcast.com. And it goes without saying that I'm still accepting any paranormal call. Okay, for our next call, we need to look up. The following is Mike's call from Illinois. My name is Mike, and I'm from Central Illinois. I'll just jump right into it. Uh, last summer, around this time, the end of May, the beginning of June, uh, I had my two oldest kids with me, ages 13, 11. They're one of five. <laughs> we won't get into the numbers, but there's it's quite a handful when I have them all at the same time. Well, this particular weekend, I just had my two. The other others were off with their other mother. Well, my kids that are 13 and 11 know that their dad loves watching anything to do with the paranormal. If it be ghost shows or anything to do with UFOs, anything. And most nine out of 10 times, they won't even pay no mind and just call dad, you're crazy. You believe in all that stuff. This night in particular, I was outside looking up at the stars as I normally do enjoying a cigarette. Before I went in, I noticed off to my left, to the northeastern side of town, there was a small glowing orb. I took it at first as a star. The more I stared at this supposedly star, it started to kind of wobble as if, you know, it was moving just, and I thought it was my eyes. The more I, I paid attention to it, the more it was very clear to me that it was definitely wobbling. It wasn't a star. It wasn't behaving as stars would. So I rushed inside. Once again, back to how my kids didn't believe me ever. I thought, what a better time. So I rushed in and got them and pulled them outdoors. They hesitantly went with me and said, oh, dad, whatever, let's go look at it. And when they came out there, I pointed it out. And they started noticing it too, wobbling. And then Hold up, here's where it gets crazy. 
two smaller craft had darted out of that that area and started flying over our house. I would roughly say they were about as high as an airplane. Um, when I looked at them, they were probably pea-sized oval. Uh, they were obviously white. They weren't glowing, but I could see them contrast with the night sky. And they zipped off overhead. And my kids were astonished. Let's just say that they did not know what it was. And then I said, out loud, I said, if it is them, then blink. Because I knew from my other watching UFOs that they kind of consciously know what you want, even without saying anything. And as soon as I said that, it started blinking. One of them did. And then they started moving irregularly, not like normal aircraft. And then after probably 10 minutes, my kids got bored, like nonchalantly, like, oh, there ain't nothing. This is normal. And they're and they're like, you know, I guess they just took it as, uh, but here I stood outside still thinking, really, they'd rather be in there playing their games than actually seeing these craft do a little show for us. So I stood out there and I watched the rest of the show and it started kind of dying down where I only seen one and then they kind of disappeared. And then I stood and I looked maybe five more minutes. And then there was another one zipping from the other direction, coming from behind where I didn't notice at first, as if to get my attention. So I ran in again to get my son to say, come on, come look, come look. And by the time it took me to run in the house, which is probably not even a half minute, to the time I got back out, that craft was gone. But it was moving at a speed where I thought we'd be able to at least catch the end of it before it, you know, disappeared, and it was nowhere. And then I said, well, son, you see, he says, there ain't nothing. And as soon as, as soon as I said, no, it's up there, just keep looking, it flashed its light on to show that it was still there, and it started going in the opposite direction that it was headed in before I ran in and got him. And then at the end, it did a little spiral as if, like, if you ever look in old uh, signs, like Greek, or any kind of old symbols, it did the spiral for either rebirth or spiritual, and then it just disappeared. And I haven't seen anything since. And it's just always kind of been on my mind, what does that mean? Why did it show itself to me? And for the rest of the listeners, if you experience anything like this ever, maybe also you've seen this spiral. Maybe it means something to you. So I just want to share this story, and I hope you enjoyed it. Love the uh, podcast. Thank you, Mike. At first, your encounter reminded me a lot of a misidentification I had several years back. I mistakenly thought Venus was some sort of oversized jet or aircraft. Mike's initial description coincided with what I saw. Even the wobbling could be explained away due to eye movement. But when the light began to move and others joined it, that's where our two experiences drift apart. I guess it's possible that Mike was witnessing a couple drones, performing some amateur acrobatics just a few yards down. But you'd think he'd mention the obvious lights associated with drones, and surely he would have been able to hear them at some point. So like so many other UFO stories, we'll leave the unsolved tag on this one and hope that somewhere, someone else saw the same thing. Hopefully, with a video. Thanks again, Mike, for taking the time to share this story. I have one last call for the evening, and it's a substantial one. But 
let's get all this info out of the way before we begin. A reminder to everyone that not only will I have a booth repping both the show and Cryptid Crate, but I'll also be hosting the town hall meeting at this year's CryptidCon, September 8th and 9th in Frankfort, Kentucky. Head over to CryptidCon.com to peruse the lineup and pick out your tickets today. Keep those ratings and reviews coming. Hop onto the Apple Podcast app or platform of your choice and tell everyone else why you enjoy Monsters Among Us. Each new review spreads our reach, so please consider leaving yours today. And if your app doesn't allow reviews, make a post on your Instagram or Facebook telling your friends to check out the show. That sort of help goes a long way as well. And speaking of support, a big thank you to William G., Bobby W., and Teresa Z. for your donations this week. I'm getting ready to drive across the country yet again, and I plan to visit quite a few cryptid hotspots. And these donations go a long way to support shenanigans like that. So, a huge thank you. Now, if you want to support these shenanigans, hit up the Donate tab at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. Of course, you can also support the show by purchasing merchandise from the store. Simply click on the Shop tab on the website. Or you can become a Patreon supporter. Simply search Monsters Among Us Podcast at www.patreon.com. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I just released a video earlier this week highlighting my trip to Big Sur to search out the Dark Watchers. And I'll be posting a brand new episode tomorrow or Saturday morning featuring a Midwest monster that's rarely discussed. And lastly, there's been an influx of new listeners rolling in. To all of you, I say welcome. And since you're new, I thought I'd take a quick moment to plug Cryptid Crate. Cryptid Crate is the first and only monthly box subscription company that deals in cryptozoology and the paranormal. Each month, subscribers receive a carefully curated crate in their mailbox stuffed with books, shirts, toys, collectibles, and much, much more. All with a cryptozoology or paranormal theme. Now, Cryptid Crate isn't a sponsor of the show or anything like that. It's just a service I created mostly because I wanted one and, quite frankly, it didn't exist. So do me a solid and check it out at cryptocrate.com and be sure to tell all of your weirdo friends. Alright, sorry about all that. Let's get back to the scary stories. Our final call of the evening is on the longer side, so get yourself comfortable. The following is an anonymous call from the Great Lakes area. Hi. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize because this is probably going to be garbled and I don't exactly want to get out my name, but I'm from the Great Lakes region and um, my stories uh, pretty much are all in my childhood. I grew up in a haunted house and um, I mean at this point in my life, like I think it's been probably a solid 15 years, no, 10 years or so since anything weird has happened to me and it has only been ghost type stories um anyway so it started when I was like four or five years old I shared a room with my sister and um I was up there alone and it was kind of like a, like an old farmhouse so it was a loft the upstairs was and there was three walls and then stairs at the far end and um, I was at the very front of the house the stairs were at the back of the house so 
I was standing there, and on the other side, uh, like kind of trapped between a bed and the wall, and I don't remember what I was doing, if I was grabbing a toy or something. Um, but I was looking to the other side of the house by the stairs, and there was a shadow man. And I know that, you know, now that I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and other stories, that's actually a thing. Um, I always thought it like it looked like the... Um, Around my area, we've got neighborhood watch signs, and it shows, like, a dark figure, and it's wearing a hat, and it's got, like, a trench coat. And um, I always thought it was crazy because I saw that in my house. Um, There were no defining features. I couldn't see feet. I I didn't look for feet, but um, it was wearing a trench coat, and I I could see a hat. Um, I don't remember what happened. After that, um, I just I saw it there and I stared at it and at some point it had to go away because I you know I wasn't stuck upstairs. Um, but I mean nothing happened. Like uh, I've heard a lot of people say that it's a precursor to something bad, but I've never heard I've never had anything like that happen after that. It was just like I saw it and that was it. Um, and then. You know, like I said, I was four years old at this point or so, uh, really, really young. And I only have that estimate because my nephew wasn't born yet. Um, Anyway, uh, at another point, I was probably 12 years old, and I was running around the woods uh, in my neighborhood with a friend of mine. And um, you know, we were goofy kids, and we're always getting into stuff. but anyway, we're we're running around the woods, and you know, there's rumors about oh, this used to be old Indian territory, um, and there's trails that go through the woods, and um, well, yeah, you know, everybody says that. But anyway, so we're at one point in the woods, and I'm probably maybe 50 yards away from my friend at this point, and I look back at her, and I saw another shadow man, and. Um, it was wearing a hat again and it was just standing there there was you know i'm in the woods so i couldn't again i couldn't see feet or anything like that it didn't move its hands were at its side if it had any um but it was there and i I called out to my friend i'm like you need to run and i was freaking out and she more or less thought that i was making it up um because she couldn't see anything and um i this was probably in like 2002 maybe and I had a cheap I mean it wasn't at the time but it was a a poor quality digital camera and she yells take a picture so I took a picture and got back to my house eventually and you know I but the thing that I saw I don't I looked away and then it wasn't there anymore basically she never saw it but we got back to my house and I upload this picture and sure enough, I had a freaking picture of one. And it was daytime, and there's an obvious dark silhouette where you can clearly make out the, you know, shoulders, hat, and that was, you know, that was it. Um, and it was crazy. And this was back in the time of um, the Shadowlands.net, so I uploaded my picture and my story to that website, and, you know, this was years and years ago now so 
I don't have this picture anymore. I would love to find it, but I don't think that it's possible. But I saw it, I snapped a picture of it, and I actually had photographic evidence of seeing, of, of showing what I saw. Um, I've never seen another one, and I guess at this point I'm grateful for it because I I don't know what I would chalk it up to. Um, I haven't had any strange occurrences since I was a teenager, um, and even then they had begun to dwindle at that point. And I mean, I'm I'm not religious, and I think that these things more or less happened during a period of my life when I was um, I had a very nervous disposition when I was younger, and uh, I kind of used religion as a shelter, and um, I don't anymore. Um, and I also haven't had anything weird happen in a very long time. Um, but another weird story, I guess. Um, we used to go to my 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 sisters and I used to go to cemeteries in the area because you know we were we all grew up in the same house and it was the only house we had ever lived in and it was haunted. There were there was some weird stuff going on there. Um, I don't know what I would say. happened. I don't really know that I believe in this stuff anymore, as as weird as it is, because it happened to me and I have perfect recall of what it was, but, you know, I I just, it's been so long that I don't really know if it exists anymore, I guess you could say. Anyway, so I was probably 13 or 14 or so, and my two sisters and I went around to different cemeteries, and we'd take pictures, and we'd try and record stuff, and, um, you know, we never really got much that way. Um, but I remember um, after one particular occasion, uh, we had gone to an old cemetery in the area, probably one of the oldest in the area. And we came back and we're just going about our business. And all of a sudden, my sister asks if, you know, is it raining? What, what's going on? Because she was drenched. Um, she had been just relaxing, watching TV, and all of a sudden she's just soaking wet. And this was something that would just happen in our house for the next year or so after that last cemetery trip. Um, You know, in in the house we always joked that it was a, like an old woman that died in the house maybe um, because the spirit was never... It never felt malevolent, but at the same time, it was, you know, scary. I was a kid, and, you know, something that I can't see is that I felt like something was there. Um, And again, I apologize for how garbled this is. But anyway, um, I would be at school, and I would just have water thrown at me. And I'm talking like, and this was like summer school, actually, I would be walking through school, the hallways would be empty basically, and I would have water on me, um, like usually my face and my shoulders, and it would be like someone had washed their hands and then just kind of like flicked the water from their fingers toward my face. Um, And my shirt would be wet, it wouldn't just be this weird sensation that I was wet, but I would actually be wet. and, you know, this subsided eventually, but my dad was a pretty religious guy, and um, 
he was convinced that we had brought something home with us at that point. Um, you know, like I said, we kind of always had this presumption that um, the spirit that was initially in our home was an old lady who died in the house, and I don't have any proof of that. My dad always called her Mrs. Murphy for whatever reason. Um, but when I was little, like really little, uh, preschool age, I had an imaginary friend, and it wasn't a face. It wasn't. I didn't imagine a person, but I would hear a voice, and it wasn't even like it was weird because it was like an older woman that would talk to me. And I remember one time I was standing in like the utility room of our house where like the washer and dryer are. And it was off to the backside and I was young and I'm, I'm hopping on one foot. And this was something that I had been trying to work on for a long time. And, um, I remember hearing hop on one foot, hop on one foot, you can do it. And so I did it, and I did it well. And from that point on, I can hop on one foot. <laughs> but uh, my mom came around the corner, and she saw me, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm hopping on one foot. My you know, my friend told me to do it. And I remember that my my imaginary friend's name was Jean. Um, I've never gone back into the history of the house and looked to see whether or not there was ever a Jean that lived there. I don't know how to do that. I mean, it'd be super neat to find out, but I have no idea. Um but anyway, so after we went to the cemetery, not to jump around again, but after we went to the cemetery, um, my dad said that at one point he had seen a bald head poke out from a room. Like, a, you could see a bedroom door from our living room. And he was in the living room, and he said that he could see a head pop out and just kind of stare at him. And... You know, my dad kind of, he was a dad, and he liked to get on people's case about whatever and made dad jokes and did the dad thing that dads do. Um, So I kind of never really thought a whole lot about it. I don't believe he was a liar, but at the same time, I'm highly skeptical of anybody. Um, But, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, It was just weird, and probably brought somebody home. But anyway, after that, you know, my dad did his religious spiel and prayed the ghost away. And after that, pretty much everything stopped. Um, The only thing after that that really happened um, was my dad actually passed away. And um, this was in another house. Uh, But he passed away, and we went to his funeral. And on the way there, like, my dad was a car guy. And on the way there... um, my mom was freaking out because the light was on, the gas light was on in her car, and, uh, you know, she made a point about it that my dad would would yell at her for driving around with that light on. Um, and we did the service, and um, they came out, and they got in the car, and they go to drive back home, and somehow the gas gauge wasn't registering as being unempty anymore. There was a quarter of a tank of gas in it, according to the gauge. Um, so my mom, you know, thought it was some sort of beyond the grave intervention. Um, and aside from that, um, before the funeral, 
we cleaned up the house because we anticipated having people come over afterward, and so everything was cleaned and put away. I got to the house first after everybody had left the funeral home, and I went to the bathroom right away. And in the bathroom was my dad's work shirt on the counter as if someone had just thrown it up there. It wasn't folded. It wasn't... My dad had been dead for a week at this point, and everything had been cleaned and, you know, laundry done and put away. And so the fact that, you know, my dad's shirt was on the counter in the bathroom, you know, thrown up there as if he had, you know, taken it off to go get in the shower or something like that, um, it was really, really odd. And, you know, I picked the shirt up, and I didn't smell it or anything like that. But I picked the shirt up, and um, I came out, and I'm like, who who put this there? You know, we're trying to get the house together for company and, you know, it's kind of just in call for at that point of su- super fresh, uh, wound, you know? Um, but I mean, nobody admitted to putting it there. I don't know. I have no idea what happened. Um, but that was the last thing that ever really happened to me. Um, that was paranormal. Um, I've never seen a UFO, never seen Bigfoot. It's just always been weird ghost stuff. And pretty much since I left the idea of having religion, anything weird stopped happening to me. And so that's cool. Whatever. Um, I've got lots of stories. Um, so if I, if any strike me, then I shall call back. Um, so enjoy. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, caller. That's quite a list of experiences. Due to the length of this entry, I won't discuss every aspect of the call, but I do want to say the following. I would absolutely love to see that photograph. Perhaps the caller can search the archives at Shadowlands and find it. I checked, and the site is surprisingly still up. 24 years strong. Which brings me to my next remark. I absolutely love that website. It had encounter stories, state-by-state haunted location lists, photos, videos. That site was amazing. So I suggest all you youngins head over to www.theshadowlands.net and see how it used to be done. I swear, that page used to be my homepage. And lastly, the caller mentioned something about water mysteriously landing on her while she attended school. This story made me think of a case I remember watching on Unsolved Mysteries when I was a kid. The case of Don Decker, the rain boy. man accused of setting fire to a restaurant in the Poconos turned himself in at federal court in Wilkesbury today. This is the same man who back in the late 80s starred in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries because he claimed he could make it rain. And to this day, that case is still a mystery to police in Stroudsburg. Newswatch 16's Reagan Medzi is in the newsroom with the unusual story. Reagan. Well, good evening, guys. Donald Decker voluntarily turned himself in this afternoon in federal court in Wilkesbury for setting a restaurant on fire last year in Toby Hanna. Now, this isn't the first time Decker has had a run-in with the law. Back in the 80s, police in Stroudsburg investigated a bizarre case involving Decker, which remains a mystery to this day. 
This is Donald Decker of Goldsboro when he was interviewed on the primetime national show Unsolved Mysteries back in the 80s for being known as Rain Man, a man who could actually make it rain. Now he's getting attention again, but this time he's facing federal arson charges for setting Dana's restaurant and tavern in Tobihanna on fire last year. Investigators say he was hired by the owner to burn down the business. Decker voluntarily turned himself in at federal court in Wilkesbury. Back in the early 80s, Donald Decker was known as Rain Man to Stroud Area Regional Police, who say Decker could make it rain. Detective Richard Wolbert was on the case back then and says he still can't explain it. Water traveling, flying around the room horizontally. The case grabbed national attention and Decker's story appeared on the TV show Unsolved Mysteries years later. This is Decker being interviewed and Detective Wolbert. Wolbert says the call back in the 80s started off as an investigation into a plumbing problem at a home in Strasbourg where Decker was staying at the time. I mean, it definitely was a plumbing problem. Um, it was just uh, appearing and then flying around the room. And I was still wearing glasses at the time and I was getting struck in the face with it. So it was really strange. Walbert says it's a case. To this day, he has no explanation for. There was something going on in the house, and I really don't, you know, I don't know what it was. His explanation was that a relative had passed away and was, had something to do with it, but that came from him. And Donald Decker is free on bail. Officials say it's because he is not a flight risk. Now, as for the unsolved mystery involving Decker, Newswatch 16 tried to interview more witnesses, but they turned us down because they say what they saw is just too upsetting and just too creepy to talk about. Reagan Medji, Newswatch 16 Live in the newsroom. That video comes courtesy of WNEP News 16 out of central Pennsylvania. I wanted to play the entire Unsolved Mysteries clip, but it runs in excess of 20 minutes, so I opted for a shorter version of the tale. But I highly recommend you watch it in its entirety. Amazon Prime subscribers can see it on Season 5, Episode 18. And those without Amazon Prime can actually watch the updated version on YouTube for free. The link can be found at the website under the show notes tab. Ten different eyewitnesses swear by the experience they witnessed that evening. Clearly, something had to be going on. But, just like our caller's experience, we're left scratching our heads with more questions than answers. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd and Warren Pon Abbott. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Music for this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.
13th, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier arrive on Disney+. Plus. The world is upside down. We can't lose this fight, Bucky. If we do this, we're going to do it our own way. Experience the six-episode event. We're partners, co-workers. Not necessarily the team. No. We look damn good. Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Streaming March 19th, exclusively on Disney+. Plus. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To start the ignition. To feel confident. To be connected to everything. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes a dynamic experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.